This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And what a difference seven days makes. A week ago, we were sitting in the Queen's Head pub in Hammersmith, Brook Green, twiddling our thumbs, pondering whether or not we'd get even one point at the weekend. And now here we are in the Plough pub in Northfields, celebrating Brentford's pretty much survival in the Championship for another season. The Plough? Most of you know it. It's the old pub on the old pub crawl list on the way down from Northfield Station. We sort of tell people, you know, to stop at the Northfields and then go down the plough, then they go down the road to another the Globe and then Lord Nelson and then another pub. And before you know it, you've done six or seven pubs and then you're completely hammered and you actually don't make it to the match. Um, well, the, the plough used to be the changing room for Brentford. We, this is one of our first ever grounds when we played at Ben's Field back in the late 1800s. Brentford changed into their kit which wouldn't wouldn't wasn't red and white stripes in this very boozer there you go it's going to fact some figures for you as well i'm going to give you a plow fact as well this used to be the football the pub with a football team the plow football team which was basically jamiroquai and his crew they used to actually play for this football team here all the boys rotation joel and femi fem from the young disciples and that they're all based out of here the plow and they played for them for good old 10 15 years or so i'm not sure jamiroquai actually ever turned up because he was a little bit sort of lively but it was all good but anyway i've got a changing room fact uh the, the reason the, Cra- the craven cottage was built uh, the, the cottage at the, at the end of the Stevenage Road stand is that Archibald Leach forgot to put changing rooms into the Stevenage Road stand. So it might look beautiful, but it's bloody stupid and useless as a football stand. Ah, well, you always knew that there was a reason for uh, for that. They're always making out it was a, it was, it was a design, that it was meant to be designed like that. But anyway, we, we, we've digressed so many times, we actually don't know what we're going to be talking about today. But listen, Besotted Pride of West London podcast from Northfields. We're so close to home, very, very close to Brentford, the home of three points last night even, Tuesday night. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more, but let me introduce you to the characters I've got around the table here, all celebrating. A celebratory supping, celebratory pints. <laughs> it's not easy for me to say as he wheezes, but yes. On my left, I have Mr. Savvy B. How you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thanks, Billy. Uh, yep, yeah, um, really enjoyed the past few days. Went up to Nottingham. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly fantastic day out. Really, really had a great time. And last night, just a bit of icing on the cake. Last night, you mean the, the Bolton? Yep, match yeah Bolton game uh, very good I mean the last half um, on Saturday and the first half uh, last night was just a beautiful 90 minutes the Allards you are here kind of mellow kind of chilled it's almost like you know there's been a weight removed from your head um, I, I, I think from all of our shoulders I think if you um, 
even the beginning to this podcast tells you something about the calm that has now come over us. Um, did both the games, and um, like Sav says, uh, Nottingham Forest is probably one of the funniest days out um, for so many reasons um, that we've had, at least certainly this season, if not for a long time. It was a, a, a really good day out um, with over-officious stewards trying to spoil it, but actually in some ways making it <laughs> that much more fun. <laughs> Gemma is back again. We always, like I said, we get a guest on board every now and again. And Gemma, this is the third time she's been on the podcast, so she can't even say she's a guest because she knows everything about it. So she needs to speak up. She needs to start saying exactly what she thinks. None of this hiding under the table nonsense. That's all over. Gem, how are you doing? How have you enjoyed the last seven days and more? I keep getting told off for being under the tables. I probably shouldn't do that anymore. Uh, yeah, I've had a lovely time the last seven days. I didn't manage to make it to Nottingham, but we went on um, on Tuesday night to the Bolton game, bought three of my lovely work colleagues, was a little bit apprehensive about how it was going to go, but it was smashing. They're coming back. I'm trying to convince them to get a season ticket now on the back of being good luck, and, yeah, all is well. All is very well. Mr Lane... To the right, I haven't seen you for a while actually. How are you doing? Yeah, well, you would have seen me if you'd been to any football matches, but um, you know, you've been in your sick bed and disloyal, you, you wouldn't have seen me. Um, I'm, I'm really good actually. Um, as we said a week ago, that uh, you know, this time next week we might have the four points that would see us safe, but. We've got six points, and there was there was still talk last night that we're not mathematically safe, which is true. Um, but when you get to the stage of the season when when you know, it's it's only mathematics, it's only hypothetics that mean you could go down. Then I think you pretty know you're safe. You know, um, once in a while you'll get a miracle. Once in a while you'll get you'll get a, you'll get an example which really bucks a trend. But if it's only down to mathematics now we're safe I think we can just relax I think we can have a really really uh, interesting podcast tonight there's plenty to talk about um, you know it's, it's just nice to do it without this weight of the world on our shoulders it is indeed and as, as you said I mean for me it's it's nice to, for me to watch things from the outside because uh, as the guy said uh, the, the, the strange thing about it is I haven't actually seen the bees uh, they've scored six goals in the last two games and I've seen none of them because basically I wasn't there for various reasons I've been spluttering sweating doing all sorts of stuff and in South London so uh, I'll have to leave it to you guys to explain it but I've, I've been watching the views of people on the internet and hearing what people are saying so I'm going to give my perspective from that point of view I must admit, I was a bit disappointed. <coughs> Excuse me, please, ladies and gentlemen, when I got a message from someone and uh, sent a message saying, "Oh, not Bill, maybe you should consider um, maybe not coming back to Brentford for the rest of the season." Uh, there's a bit of a cheers involved it in that. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but look, Brentford played Nottingham Forest on Saturday. They beat them. Th- 3 0. 3 0. Brentford Blade Bolton on Tuesday, they beat them 3 1. We're going to listen to what the fans had to say in the pub after the match of both those games, and then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss it in two six. Good performance today against 10 men. Fantastic to see the confidence of the team go up after we scored the first goal. Our foreign contingent were really good, and let's put, uh, let's um, sing their praises because you know how I like to praise our all nationalities playing in the side. And we are going, we are probably safe, but two more points and we should be there. The first half was dire. It was two shit teams 
attempting to play football but really struggling. Um, after the second goal, we were we just yeah we were comfortable. The pressure was off and everyone was passing it around and playing playing what looked like much much better football uh, than we've played for a while. If we can carry that through into Tuesday, then the the worries are over. I think it was the right team for us to play today. Yeah, definitely. Um, to come here to a team, they've got the name, they've got this, but they, they've, 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 they're poor, they've been poor recently, and, and, and we put them to the sword, and that's what we needed to do, and I think that's it's just going to build our confidence like you wouldn't believe. We probably stumbled across a really poor Forest side, and if I'm brutally honest, I, I, I assume everyone's really up and having a great time, and I'm really, I'm really happy, etc. Um, but we, they just outworsted us today, and um, you know we took advantage of it, which is what teams have been doing to us for the last four or five weeks. Colin was um, exceptional at right back. Um, I think Barbe gets better, you know, in every game he gets stronger. Um, there's still, you know, he's still not the finished article by any stretch of imagination, but I'm seeing an improvement there. Um, Viba, I mean, he came on and he just works their their, their defenders, and, um, and and that's a, you know, if you haven't got strikers that are prolific and scoring goals, um, or even particularly linking the play particularly well, at least if you've got one that is prepared to work their defenders, that's a bonus. So yeah, I, I think there's, you know, there's definitely stuff to to make us feel happy tonight, and um, and and go into the rest of the season with a bit more confidence than we've been having in the last few weeks? Uh, well, first half was absolutely appalling by both sides. Uh, neither side looked like they wanted to lose. So, second half, massive improvement uh, with Vibay coming on. Chase, Chase is everything, that man. Absolute uh, gem. Uh, second goal, I really can't tell you what happened on that one. If I don't know, it was a bit of uh, security going on over near Aaron, so we kind of missed the second goal. Third goal, cracking finish. That's all I can say, really. Good three points, clean sheet, staying up. It was a really good game. First half wasn't wasn't great. Forest and Brentford were as bad as each other. And then Brentford came out second half. Vibay was fantastic. Great goal. Missed the second goal because we had security in front and behind of us. Um, and then Canos, great goal. Great, great three points. Great win. Look forward to Tuesday. Uh, I didn't think Bolton particularly good, but I thought we um, took our chances well. Um, bit of a turnaround over the last uh, couple of games and uh, amazing that we're nearly in the top half of the table after what it looked like uh, a few weeks ago so um, yeah I think looking forward to the season getting over now and getting into, getting to the summer and hopefully getting some good purchases ready for next season well I'm a natural born pessimist mate so uh, yeah until it's absolutely mathematically certain uh, anything can happen once we've we've assured safety um, I think it's I think it's time for Dino to, to start looking at play that he might want to keep for next year uh, maybe maybe play some of the players that haven't had a start have a look at what they can do um, and yeah and, and try to play some some entertaining football get a few more goals you know in, in the season on a high it makes a big difference at the start of next year um, I mean we, we got a good run together by not changing the team under Carsley um, so we could put another little run together now so probably for Saturday I'd keep with more or less the same same team and squad but beyond that there's not really any harm in, in having a little experiment around the edges with with what we've got left in the squad and there's you know the squad's very thin at the moment there's not a lot left in in it I'd, I'd be interested in, in giving Swift a couple more games when he's hopefully back from injury because I think he is a player we could pick up in the summer and, and for 
his his defensive faults. He's a good attacking player, and we've seen him get better this season. And I think, like we've seen with Yanaris recently, sometimes these younger players have got more to offer than we've seen. So I'd rather be a, a Brentford and have younger players who are getting better with games than be a Bolton and have older players who are getting worse. Very, very happy. I mean, it was a, uh, like a training ground game, first half. Stepped off the gas a bit second half, didn't need to, didn't need to play as much uh, as we do, did, but six goals in a few days, the penalty was, un, was unnecessary, so, you know, hey, yeah, I'm happy. Well, I think they need to play uh, like they have done the last couple of games, they need to show that they deserve a place in this team for next season. There's going to be people coming in, there's going to be people going out. The players should be playing and, and showing that they, that they need to be part of this squad or they want to be part of this squad. Yeah, so, I mean, the obvious ones are Yanaris and, uh, and Vibe because they scored the goals. But for me, uh, Maxime Collin has added that little bit of extra attacking balance to the right-hand side. Um, Woods has actually looked like he can actually play on the right wing with, with, with Colin behind him to back him up and, and, and run through it. So for me, in the last two games, it's, it's, it's having Colin back on the team that's actually made a difference. Mate, there's no passion whatsoever. The players, they just don't seem interested anymore. It was there, there, it was terrible. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And to be fair, Brentford, they showed us a game of football. That is it. The fans... There's a few of us, and we go everywhere. It doesn't matter where it is. Again, in League One next season, we'll go everywhere. It doesn't matter. But the only thing you ask for is a bit of dignity from the players and to just give it everything. And we didn't have it, and Brentford showed us again tonight why football, they know what they're doing. We don't. It's kids. That's all it is. Kids. It's all about the points. Um, doesn't really matter how we get them now for the last few remaining games. Um, I actually think we'll probably finish quite strongly. I'm expecting um, the mid-table, proper mid-table, I think. I think we'll do all right. So that's the views from the fans at the Nottingham Forest match and also the Bolton match. Exactly what they thought after the game. A little bit more jumpy, a bit more lively, a little bit happier than we've had over the past three or four months, to be quite honest with you. It was good. And listen, I mean, guys, just come back to that. I know you, you talked about Saturday the weekend. Very good laugh. You know, a few beers on the train before and afterwards, but on lovely sunny day. Brentford play with a bit of heart. Uh, it's interesting to read the Forest fans. Oh, my God. I mean, the thing is, this is the whole thing you've got to remember as well. While we're having a bad time, everyone realises when we're having a bad time, they, they, they forget that other teams are as well. I mean, Forest... I mean, not be funny, mate. You don't want to be going there because those guys. I mean, it's like you know, it's like they want to hang themselves. I mean, it's it's terrible. Yeah, well, I think we shouldn't forget that we had a lot of luck on Saturday. Uh, they had a couple of injuries in the first half, and it was a really lovely bit for us. I think when um, their centre half went off, and when the the other fellow came on. There was a, a sigh going around the entire ground. It was, it was really noticeable. They just sighed because they, they obviously didn't like the centre half they came on, and he was the one that. Um, well, he's the one that got booed because he gave the goal away that Vibe scored. So that was a bit of luck on our side. It's Kelvin Wilson. Kelvin Wilson, right? Um, I, you'd, you'd know I wouldn't. But uh, yeah, uh, so that was a bit of luck on, of, on our part. But it just gave us the impetus, it gave us that confidence, and we, we just. But we did start. I thought we started quite well first half. A lot of people said that was a shit half. Nothing happened. Didn't have any chances, which is true to a point. But we were we started to uh, close them down quite high up the pitch, which I hadn't seen for a while. I think Nico was was 
really good at that, just really getting into their faces and trying to break stuff up, and uh, McCormack as well. Uh, I also thought that um, we, we, there was a point when we played this lovely f- bit of first-touch football, run-touch football, going re- really up the pitch, and then the, the Benford fans just all went, ooh, like that. And it just got, like, gave us all a little smile. It's a little, we can do it, we can do it. Gave us a bit of confidence, we got behind the team, and, you know, we, we ran out, deserved winners in the end. Um, it's, it is true is that, is that you do need to we, maybe we should have put things more into perspective when we were all feeling a little bit down that you know there's everybody out there's a number of other I mean I think I tried to count out how many supporters in the league were actually happy um, a few weeks ago and I couldn't come up with more than four or five teams you know maybe Sheffield Wednesday um, I think I, I, I don't even Burnley. I, mainly Burnley were happy at that point but certainly Borough were, were miserable Hull are miserable now I would expect um, and you can you can go all the way through the league and find a load of supporters that aren't happy with their lot so um, it was yeah and, and I think and Saturday kind of well if last night didn't sort of completely ram it home Saturday did put things in, in perspective because I th- I, it, it's a strange place the City Ground it's a lovely football stadium but it really hasn't seen anything of much excitement in a long time now and um, and uh, you know I can't imagine what it must be like to support Forest. it must be um must be quite hard work. I mean, for fair play, they still come out in relatively in their numbers and stuff like that. Um, and the other thing is, is we, we moan about our centre backs, but we've probably seen two of the worst centre backs um, in the last um, in the last two games. The guy that came on this, Kelvin Wilson, was it? That came on um, for this. At, at Forest, and also last night the guy, the Bolton guy, the only, only I think it was his debut, and he only managed to play the first 45 minutes before being removed from the fray. And um, so, so we do sort of, we do kind of like you know, we we, we do whinge and moan, but um, but I think yeah, a lot of things are put in perspective. I was one of the, one of the miserable bastards who decided that we weren't going to win another game. Um, I was very, very surprised. I was at home studying, which is depressing in itself, um, ex- ex- fully expecting everything to be coming through on the airwaves, equally depressing. And no, there it was, goals and goals and goals. And I was thrilled to bits. I was texting my other half saying, have you seen the score? It was it was very exciting. It, 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 to be honest, if you were at the game, you could see... It kind of felt to me like it was actually going to pan out our way. Um, and I know you might have said that about quite a few games recently, but I just think with, with Forest being at home and playing as badly as they were, um, if I was a Forest fan, I would have been—I would have absolutely known that we weren't going to win that game. And at half-time, I, I really felt like there was something in that game for us. I think the answer to your question, what's it like to be a Forest fan in that ground, is, is it, it, history becomes a little bit of a burden. Um, you know, where, where you've really overachieved in the past, and you've had like a, a, t- a team of you know a team of teams and, a, and an iconic manager and you've won European Cups and you've, you've won sort of pr- top flight titles, it's really only ever going to go one way after that. It's, it's only a certain amount of teams in the world that can, 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 can keep that consistency going up. I mean, and it's true, when we talk about that, you know, Forrest, they had their 150th march uh, before the game as well, so they've been going for 150 years. Again, it's one of those things where it's a team of very, very much history. But interestingly, we talk about old players. I mean, Ted, Kenny Burns writes for the local newspaper. He's got a column in the local newspaper, and I, I read it because uh, I wanted to catch up as much of the game as possible. And uh, it's amazing because the geezer completely and utterly laid into their team. And this verdict was, he said, that the players don't deserve to get paid after that match, you know. And then he went into that, and he just basically said, you know, in effect, we need a clear out. Because I like the goalkeeper, Lewis Devray, I like Matt Mills, Eric Lecatch and Ben Osborne. 
David Vaughan's gone off the boil a bit, but he's had a good season. Other than that, forget the rest of them. Just get rid of them all. Uh, isn't there a transfer embargo on there, though? So the clear-out probably wouldn't be the most sensible thing right at the minute. No, possibly, again. That's, but it's interesting, though, because because it's such a big team as well, it's funny because you get people like the old Kenny Burns coming in writing for the paper and coming in these headlines may or may not traverse outside of Nottingham. We don't really get that. I mean, we don't get sort of like Richard Gadet writing for the Get West London. You know, you're saying, you know. Well, we... Richard Cadell, I wish he had won the European Cup with Brentford, but, you know, it, everything is relative. You know, it, but, you know, it is... You've got to put it, things in perspective, you know. The, the expectation of their... of Not all of their fans, the ones I met during and before the game, they, they, they seem like a philosophical bunch. They're a, they're a decent bunch up at Forest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, is it really right for... The, the you know the, the European Cup winners and the and the, the, the title winners there to be to be sort of like demanding the same standards of today you know they're still an established Championship team um, you know yeah they 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 they're not really sort of meeting the you know the expectations but you know they're they're a, they're in a, they're in a not a bad place. Interesting before that Forest game we're going to come on to Bolton in a minute because they're, they're one in the same. But Dean Smith, it's, I think it's fair to say, was under a little bit of pressure. You know, we went up to Forest. No one really expected much. They just thought, let's go out there for a bit of a drink, a bit of a laugh, bam, we get three points. All of a sudden, everything's changed. You know? We mentioned as well before about, you know, we mentioned this a few weeks ago about what Dean Smith, what is Dean Smith doing? Where is he at? What's he doing? And we mentioned the fact that he had personally certain players that he's looking at, his, his little key players who's taking them under their wing, trying to take him to another level. Nico Yanaris. Talk to us about Nico Yanaris because he, he has sort of changed over the past month, month and a half now, and he's surprised a few people, hasn't he? Uh, he has. He surprised me. I mean, I, I was one of the people that uh, really struggled to... Uh, to, to to work out what he was good at, and uh, but you know this season, you know uh, right back, he, he came in was was solid, did some nice stuff, and uh, but you know needs must, and uh, there was a big gap in the in the midfield. I mean letting Toombs go, I still think was a mistake, but uh, big gap in the midfield, and he's he seems to be filling it quite well. I think what helps is actually we've got Maxime Collin back, and you know him, and strangely um, having Woods. In front of him on the right, it seems to work because those two, plus uh, Judge and whoever else, seems to come across uh, playing those triangles we used to play under Warburton, and I'm really enjoying that. And Nico comes in and joins in those triangles. And Nico's, I don't know if he's been told to or whether it's just part of his game, he does move the ball quite fast, he does go up and down, up and down. And he's done that Douglas thing where he's breaking past the, uh, their back two, and he's actually breaking through like Douglas used to do. And that's really making us stretch the play and really helping our, our team out. Um, yeah, Nico was given a go in central midfield a few weeks ago, and um, it wasn't a major success from what I can remember. I don't know if anyone can remember the game, but um, it, so it's um, you know it t- I, I was kind of surprised that he went back into centre midfield on Saturday at Forest because I thought Woods and McCormack would be the more maybe the more obvious partnering but there's some but you know Smith sees something in Unaris and um, I think we've probably seen the last two games what Smith sees in him and he's a, he's a technically excellent player um, and he's got legs 
And so, you know, we talk about this box-to-box player that we expected maybe Kirschbaumer to be or we've been looking for, and um, suddenly he's, we, he's come out of nowhere. We found him. Um, so, you know, he, he did a bit of running when he played on the right, but now, now we've got this player who's got legs and he's all over the place. I, I, I'm looking forward to when there's a physical challenge because, I I, if I'm honest, I don't think Bolton or Forrest, you know, really gave us much of a challenge in the middle of the park. Um, so let's see, you know, let, I, I suspect Saturday is going to be a physical challenge and um, it'll be interesting to see if he's, you know, if he can adapt to that side of his game as well. Bolton Wanderers, they came down to Griffin Park. They tried a little bit, but they didn't really do anything, did they? I mean, for you, didn't go to the game on Saturday, but came to the game on Tuesday. Did you see a new Brentford? Did you think, right, tell you something, now I can relax because next season I actually think we may be going somewhere we can do something. I'm not sure about going somewhere next season. I think I'm going to keep keep my jury out on that. I think the things that I saw on Tuesday were very interesting was definitely there was a spirit in the team that we haven't seen for a good few weeks. There seemed to be an optimism. There seemed to be a willingness to run that I haven't seen for a little while. I think one of the interesting things, because I've been probably like everyone else, trying to decode Smith's selections and trying to work out, you know, why always Alan Mack, okay, yes, you've got rid of Timani, gives a bit of beef in the, in the midfield, you know, why Sam Saunders, much as I love him. And I wonder whether the thing that he's trying to get there that, that we had with Carsley that maybe we haven't had in between is some sort of spirit and some sort of oomph that he seems to be picking players now who are willing to give a bit of a run around. And since he's been doing that a bit more regularly, maybe we've perked up. It's interesting on the Nico Yanaris thing, when we went to Sheffield Wednesday and I went to the pub with my Wednesday supporting friends after the game, all they could talk about, apart from the fact that they beat us on my birthday, um, was Nico Yanaris and how great he was and how he was our best player and, and why hadn't I spoke to them about him before the game. And at first I thought they were mocking, but... They obviously even then were seeing something that I hadn't seen at that point and that maybe now we're seeing a bit a bit more obviously now. It's, it's quite interesting when someone else watches your team, what they see that you don't see. I think with, uh, with Nico Yunaris, he, he, he's, he's less exposed um, the last couple of games. I think he's a, a bit of a confidence player. I, I, think, I think the fans aren't on his back. I think, I think we, can all, we, we can all sense that he's, he's, he's an improved player, more, you know, he's a more improved player, he's a, he's a more confidence in him. I think a real turning point over the last sort of two games, I, I think, is Lassie Vibe. Um, I think, you know, uh, when Rodriguez was on, um, it, it, we, did, we didn't look like we were going to score again. And, you know, it's not knocking him. I, I think, you know, he's still a very good, promising player. But it was only when um, Vibe came on that we started to, to up, up our game and up our threat. And him getting that toe, toe on the end of that sort of hesitancy between, you know, the centre-back and the goalkeeper, that, that was the turning point. And I think that's, that, that sort of sparked some sort of freedom. Um, and, and, and I think there's a, the, the confidence certainly, certainly, certainly came back. And equal, I know he's been mentioned already, but I think um, Maxime Collin and, and Yoan Barbe, again, that those two are seeming to sort of coming into their own now. And there's this, this, this signs, you know, these green shoots all, all, all over the place. And you know, it, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. And we, we spoke last night of what, what the fans expect for the rest of the season, what they're demanding. And I, I, I don't see I don't see there's an appetite for real experimentation. I think we just need to see um, a little bit more of some of the fringe players. But I want to I want to start I want next season to 
start on Saturday. You know, we know we're, we're safe, and, 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 I, and I want us to start putting a, a lineup out and, and, and a formation and a, getting a spirit starting to grow into next year. I mean, this is interesting. I mean, with Dean, like I said to you, he was on a lot of pressure. Didn't win very many games. To be quite honest, if you we, we had played a little bit limp, you know, you know the, the vibe and everything wasn't great. But there was also this question that people sort of saying we've got to wait till he brings in his own players and stuff. Now, do you think in retrospect, because all of a sudden it's like you know he's turned around to us and said, Nico's your man, you know, Viva, you come and you do this, you're you're going to be brilliant. You know what I'm saying? And is it a case of him spending time hammering home, making certain players his players? Because we've kind of we've been through this sort of kind of period of flux for a while. We've had the Wolves camp, we've had the Carsley camp, we've got the, the the Smith camp, we've got the all sorts of stuff that's going on. And do you think that this is the case at the moment now, where it's kind of like you put that to bed, and all of a sudden it's just like he makes these players his own? Um, is he starting to make the side his own? Um, maybe there's some signs of that. He's he appears to have some faith in Barbe. He certainly has faith in Yanaris. And, and I think he's got faith, faith in Colin, uh, Colin as well because to put him back in at right back when you know I've been playing so well at right back, um, I, I think I mean in terms of making the side, you know he, he made a strong statement to be honest by playing Rodriguez um, again at um, Forest. That was a you know he really is saying to the to the to the other guys that that you know there, there should be four guys ahead of him. All right, Hogan's been injured, but there should be three guys ahead of him. And um, and that was quite a strong statement to them to say, you know, I, I actually rate don't particularly rate you guys at the minute, although you know maybe Jurison's carrying injury and um, and Hoffman, but 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 certainly against Vibe and and maybe maybe that was a good reaction from Vibe to come on and actually you know there was a reaction to sort of you know this guy's coming who's never played football you know in in England before and. Um, you know, and, and come from Uruguay, been playing development squad football all season, and suddenly, you know, he's getting picked instead of me. And maybe that, you know, there was sort of a, an element of that perking Vibra up as well. Well, he certainly did get a reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, going back to Smith, I, I still think the jury's out. I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't think these two wins are going to get get everyone off his back. I think he's still got a lot to prove, and there's there's still a kind of a void and a, and a question mark about what happened in the sort of five six games before that um, but what it has bought him is kind of like the, the luxury of just being able to relax more so for the rest of the season but the start of next year the pressure's back on him yeah I, he, he's not out of the woods Smith but however when we play at our best under him and we've done it in a few games we play wide expansive football we play quick football. We keep the we, we get them all moving. So it's obviously something he believes in. It's whether he can get the players to do it more often than they have been doing in the last. The, the question is always going to be why can't he do it more consistently? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I'm going to say to you: Would you say why can't he do it? Why can't they do it? Who are we asking? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think Smith has always been known as somebody who develops players. So, I mean, he needs time. He's the kind of the kind of manager I think that needs time. And he's been kind of he's had his hand forced. You know, he wanted to get him more low knees, never managed it. And he's got a very small squad of players now that are fit or have some kind of experience. You know, you, you could try Gogier towards the end of the season. You could try Kirschbaum towards the end of the season. That's fair enough. But he hasn't had that luxury because he's lost a lot of games recently. And now, now he's got the points. He can start to, to you know, have a look at those. But I also think he should develop some more of the players. He can let Nico have a real go. You know, the more games Nico gets in, in that position, the better. That is going to be quite interesting now. 
is to see how he uses players like Goggia and Kirschbaumer, both of which, um, as I said you know, in last night's podcast, they've received, you know, they, they have received criticism, some some of it rightly, some of it wrongly, but we actually need to see how good or, or, or bad they are now. And now now we're technically safe. You know, it, it, we, we I think we owe it to the 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 experiment, the the recruiting, just to see if they're actually any good. You know, we don't, well, I don't think we know still. So we talk about the team, talk about these two matches. Everyone's really happy. Talking about Dean Smith, we're going to come back after the break and talk about Dean Smith because he's got a couple of quotes, and I think we're going to have a chat about those because we've got a couple of question marks about them. So Dean Smith, the manager, a relaxed manager. He had a spar at the weekend, I heard, or well, even a spar. On Tuesday night, after I win against Bolton, he's having a spa every day now because he feels so much more relaxed. After the Bees have got six points and six goals in two games, he's thinking this London business is fantastic. Is that, true? Is that actually true? He's having, a, he's not having a spa, is he? Um, you made that up, haven't you? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, well, he does look exfoliated. <laughs> There's some sort of spa things going on. Listen, that's that's what people do when they come down. But anyway, he's relaxed. But some rumour on Twitter, like like going into administration kind of rumour. We'll talk about that later, apparently, because Brentford have gone into administration. But look, Dean Smith, sometimes he gets so relaxed, he says some things, and it makes us scratch our heads. Yeah, some of some of the quotes that have come out, whether. Whether he's taken out of context or that's exactly what he said, I'm not sure. Some some of the quotes he said about um, the the loans that we we failed to get, uh, you know, late late doors, not early doors, late doors in the transfer window, the um, the, the loan transfer window, they, they they look a little bit strange. When, when, when they're okay, so let me give you an example of that. So. So, Dean Smith apparently revealed that the club missed out on signing three players in the closing stages of the loan window. He added, the player didn't feel he was 100% and he didn't feel it was right to come. Okay. Another one, the manager changed his mind. And the other one, we couldn't get in touch with him as he was on international duty. And his phone was off. Actually, he didn't say his phone was off. That was just me put that bit in. roaming. No roaming. No. But anyway, look, we just threw that in. After a bit, when I, when I saw those, and this is like, we're not picking on deals, I just thought, this is a really, really strange thing to say, because like, if it was me, I'd probably just say, look, and, you know, just deal, deal fell through, it didn't really happen. But if you're after a player and, and, and it doesn't return your call, it's not, it's not a great sign, though, is it? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't really know... What to make it? I mean, it does come across really quite well in interviews. I mean, because I've got B's player and I listen to the interviews pre-match and post-match, and uh, follow sort of Billy Reeves's interviews with him after the game, and he's pretty sort of you know languid, straightforward, and just says what he's he's you know what he thinks, and I think that's fair enough, and I think. Maybe those lone things are true, and maybe no, they probably are true. Yeah, I know, I know, but sometimes but, you just got to just don't tell them. But, he, but I think he's, he's just honest. He gets asked a question and he answers it, and I think that's quite good. They just, you know, but, but when you read something like that, like the first one, and, I, and I'll ask Gemma this as well. When, no, when when was the last time you didn't think it was the right time to come? Well. I'm not sure anyone doesn't find it the right time to come when given a gentle probing by Billy Reeves, but 
I mean, who can tell? I think the interesting thing with, with Dean Smith is we talk about him being very, very candid and maybe not thinking about how much he speaks, but given that our last manager decided that he'd just tell us on the first interview that he didn't want the job anymore, I think we're probably making a subtle progression towards someone who's going to be very stolid and, and kind of closed. It just might take a while. Listen, maybe it's, like I said to you, this, this, well, maybe we, this is something that we need to get used to as well. I mean, after the Forest game, and I thought this is quite interesting as well, which is quite cool. Dee Smith says that we're targeting a, a top ten finish after the Bolton game, um, which I think is great. Uh, no pressure, though. Um, it, <laughs> we, we, we've, we have previously set some targets um, for, for, for the football club that fans have you know, been very, very dis- disappointed about. Um, and um, yeah, I, it, is it right to say that? I think it's probably right to, set, to, to sort of you know, go into the end of the season and not just play the season out, of course. Um, you know, and, and may, maybe set a top ten target. I, 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 he's a weird. I, I don't really feel like I've got to know Dean Smith at all. Um, um, he's not been in the house for tea no, no, or anything. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean that because, because I think you can see, you know, um, and I know, you know, using the Warburton word is we, we use it too much and etc. etc. But but there was something about you know I remember when he took over there was something about the way the team played in that first game that he took over and I really remember it vividly that he you know he held three players up and he sent these signs out that you could see that this was going to be there was going to be a ride either way um, and, um, and 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 with Smith I, I don't feel that I really you know I, that I really have got to know him in, in what what he um, you know how he sets out his football teams how much of a risk taker he is with them um, I, I you know I, I feel sort of I, I haven't got to know him at all yet um, I'm, I'm just relaxed now I, I, I just think the rest of this season I'm, I'm not going to judge anything or anyone too 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 much in too much detail I think you know we're, we're safe um, we might need a point. We might need a win. We're gonna. We've got enough fixtures. We're gonna get one of one of one of each of those, if not more. Um, I, I think it's the time now, just for kind of like studying. So it'd be a bit of a luxury now. And as I said earlier, I, I want I want next season to start now. I want I want, I want us to, to to end this season strongly. Um, but you know, my, my my reservations of Dean Smith, I, I, I've said, and I, I think, but. We'll wait till the start of next season. He, he will be judged on, on on next season when it starts in in August. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off his back. And Liberal Nick's not here to have a moan at him either. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just gonna maybe it's time to get to know him a bit more. But maybe you know maybe we're we're trying to arrange an interview down the spa apparently. Down the spa, yeah, down the Roman down the Roman spa at Vauxhall. <laughs> but <laughs> Jesus Christ, like, that's, ladies, that's ladies, lady, yeah, ladies. Be to some places that I've never, never even knew existed. But look, for the, for the D Smith thing, to make it honestly, I'm, I'm really glad that we got these results now because um, but we can get us back, everyone can get us back. We could, we could chill out a little bit. Look, we could do what we want to. We could lose some games, we could win some games. We've always said it's about next season. I was very impressed with the team that he built up at Walsall. I was quite disappointed by the way that we played in January and February, to be quite honest with you. Spent a lot of money, we didn't get a lot of value off the back of that. So, okay. We put it back to bad organisation, bad vibes, players leaving, all that kind of nonsense. Forget that. 
I want to see what's going to happen in the summer. I know that he's got a few little strings pulled and we've got some players coming in and all that kind of stuff, which are going to be part of his camp. I want to see exactly how he orchestrates them. And if he gets them to play like the Warsaw did when they smashed us off the park in January, which they did, they smashed us off the park, which we tell you, listen, as you said, if that's a legacy to Dean Smith and what he left behind, if he can bring that to Brentford and up it three or four times, then we'll have some of that. But let's just wait and see. But at the end of the day, we've got nothing to worry about now. We can get to all these games, have a good drink up. Fulham game's coming up, so which is all good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Dean Smith. I do I gen- genuinely uh, think he's, he's a good bloke. I like the way he, he talks. I know he, he, <laughs> he, gets, he gets quoted in certain ways, and I don't think that's particularly his fault. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather get that communication than someone who's just sullen and just gives some one-word answers. So I think that the fact that he's willing to talk, willing to engage with the interviewers and therefore the fans is a good thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, OK, um, I, I agree. Um, you know, he, he did a great job at Walsall, and I think he's, he's here to develop players. He's here to make us play a certain type of football that we like, that Benham likes, and I'm all in favour of that. I'm... I'm not 100% behind him because I've seen some really shit performances from us, but I know his, the circumstances he's had have been pretty bad, so I'm willing to give him the time. Um, I, yeah, I agree that, that he he is trying to set the team out to play good football. If you watch Bolton last night, and obviously Peter Reid, who was there last night, has had quite an... Inf- I would imagine it was Peter Reid's influence, and Bolton really had gone back to playing football like I remember it, you know, 15 years ago when the goal kicks, all the players crowded one quarter of the pitch, and... Um, and it was, you know, I, I, it, it was nice to see that we still that we that we still had that resemblance of, you know, being spread across the pitch and um, and, and plenty of width and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, we'll see. I, for me, I've, I'm still sort of, you know, waiting to, to to make my mind up. I'm nowhere near it yet. Are you uh, down the spa? Um, I'll come. We all go into the spa. We are. Yeah, we'll all go to the spa. Terrible news this week, we heard. I mean, people, they were in the interweb. They went into panic mode as they found out that Brentford had gone into administration. Apparently. All the odds had slashed 100 to 1 down to 8 to 1 for Brentford on relegation. There were tears, there's all sorts going just before the Bolton match. We did remain calm, it has to be said. Had a little sniff around what was going on. And, um,. So we got we found out that Brentford are, uh, they seem to be all right. I think they're still standing, aren't they? There's a word. It's the first word. This word's been first time this word's been used on this podcast, and the word is skullduggery. It all it was there was shenanigans going on, Bill. There apparently there's shenanigans afoot. Um, a lot of people seem to have made a lot of money on uh, very high odds. Gemma didn't, no. No, Gemma. Uh, that's what, did, did anyone? I just got to ask a question, though. So people betted on Brentford getting relegated. Um, Laney, did you bet on Brentford getting relegated? I would never bet on such a thing. Okay, and, and Gemma? Yeah, I'll bet on anything, me. But did you bet on Brentford getting relegated? Yeah, I did. Twenty quid, hundred to one. Yeah. And uh, when this administration shenanigans took place and the odds dropped and people apparently cashed in and made a lot of money, did you cash in? No, I forgot. I forgot. So you knew about it then? You were part of this scam? <laughs> I saw the story. I thought, oh, I must cash out later and, and failed to do so. And the uh, cash out facility was suspended uh, for that particular bet. 
Funny that. Matt, have you ever uh, bet on Brentford getting relegated? I did consider putting out an insurance um, idea to, um, to, some of, to, to some of the besotted crew where um, I would insure um, costs for the rest of the season um, for a £10. So if people who pay £10, I'd pay their costs for the rest of the season um, if we got relegated. Um, but that didn't go down too well, so I moved on. I moved on. Sav, how about yourself? I mean, I know that you don't bet, but did you just bet this one time because you thought maybe I can get away with it? Uh, no, I don't bet. And I didn't even know anything about this administration thing. I was actually on a boat on the Thames. And uh, the first I heard about it was uh, when I came to the Globe and uh, saw Dave and he says, oh, we're in administration. That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I said, because I knew we weren't. So I, so I mentioned the word administration. I say, oh, Seth, we're in administration. That's the, that's the only thing I heard. I heard the word administration and panicked. So you panicked? I panicked. Did you go to the big shop? No, there was close by then. <laughs> Because you don't bet. I don't bet. Sorry. I, 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 I have to admit, when, when I heard the rumour, I did look at the opposite. I, I looked at Brentford to stay up, and that, that, that market was suspended. So you could bet on Blackburn to stay up, you could bet on Nottingham Forest to stay up, who were who had more points than us, but Brentford, Brentford weren't there. So I just thought something something is not quite what it seems here. There is... Shenanigans. Shenanigans are afoot. So, but you know, administration. But Brentford obviously got money in the pot. Well, they have to a certain extent. There, there are the, the, the accounts were actually um, released this week, which shows that you know we've been spending a lot of money. We got a bit of money in the pot, but Mr. You know, Bannum has spent quite a lot of money, which we may talk about later if we've got time. If not, we might have to go to next week. But a bit more positive news that we've been waiting for from time is the CPO, which is compulsory purchase order, a bit of land that we've been waiting to purchase, where some guys been sitting there. They're saying, listen, this piece of land is worth three billion pounds and, and and it's really valuable and, and i and, and i can only sell it for three billion eventually um this compulsory purchase order has been granted today which means that in effect in principle lionel road can go ahead now this is good news isn't it yeah it's, it's really good news um it, it means that brentford can move forward um our our, our our destiny is in our in our more in our own hands as long as we're not in administration as long as we're not in this administration but we're still awaiting the verdict on the monorail. There, was, there is no news yet on the monorail. Whether or not we're going to be moving in two or three or four seasons' time, uh, that doesn't really matter, but I think it probably gives us, whichever way, a little bit more of a stay of execution, as long as we stay in the Championship, which we have done this season, it looks like. So, you know, Griffin Park can stay as it is for a few more years. We don't have to start putting seats and everything like that because we know that we're moving to... Oh, hold on a second, sorry. I've got... Obviously, I'm, I'm not in the know. I've just been corrected, ITK. <laughs> well, no, we... Next season's the last of our three years, is it not? I don't know. You should know. You're a biased board, aren't you? <laughs> last, next season's the last of our three-year seasons. We're allowed to stand in the championship. So unless we do get relegated and I get my holiday in Barbados that I haven't cashed out, so it still might happen, we're going to have to, if we stay another two years, look at seating either here or somewhere else in any case. However, but we thought that there's some sort of special, special dispensation for teams who are building new stadia to say, oh, hold a second, why do we have to put seats in now? Because we're going to be moving in a couple of years' time and we get let off. Is, is... I mean, I mean if, it, if it's a three-year thing, we'll be moving in one year because the idea is that 2018 is when we'd move in. So there'd only be that one-year one lag. So... Is that a special dispensation exists at this moment or is this something that we ask for? I think it's some sort of begging bowl thing that goes on. I, I don't think we know the answer to this but I think we need to go investigate it but 
if nothing else happens between um, us, you know, moving out of Griffin Park and the new stadium being built, I think they ought to build a spa there. Brentford <laughs> <laughs> Spa. That's it. Yeah, Brentford Spa. Yeah. Right. Thanks for coming. So look, anyway, look, listen, a little, little bit of fun there. The administration thing was completely ridiculous. You know, the betting. Someone's won a load of money. You know, just come down the pub and buy us all around if you if you really want to. CPO has been granted, so Lionel Road will happen at some stage which is good, it's going to move forward, but we, we, we still need to find out now, and we'll probably get some clarification in the next week or two as to what's going to be happening with Griffin Park seats, no seats, will you have to go to Fulham, no, we're not going to go to Fulham, or whether or not we're going to beg somebody to say, listen, let us stay at Griffin Park for a few more years because we are the base. I think it allows us to start asking questions now. You know, we, we, can, we can start asking questions about what is the time scale. Uh, we can ask questions about what will the stadium exactly look like, what's the build spec, how plastic is it going to be? How concrete is it going to be? What's the fans' involvement going to be? Where are the pubs going to be? What beer's going to be sold? You know, yeah, there does seem to be a, um, a, a map towards the future now. We just need to we need to be engaged in it. and and the people, you know, the Brian Burgesses and the uh, the community stadium team, they need to start. We need we need to find out what the stadium is going to be like and when it's going to happen. And I think this this whole bit with the CPO now now we are officially on the move. However long it takes, we are on the move. It gives us that little bit of extra, um, that extra evidence, that extra bit of, of weight in our pockets when we do say to the authorities, "Hang on a minute, we can stand up a little bit longer. We need we've got a new stadium coming. We don't need to redevelop." We've, We've got something there to say, no, we're going somewhere. With this all still waiting behind us, you know, an authority can turn around to us and say, no, you're not going anywhere. This is CPO. This is not This is not happening. You know, you've got, you've got a public inquiry happening. Now we can say, OK, we are moving. We don't know when. Maybe we do know when. Depends who you ask, how optimistic they are. But we are moving. You know, and this is this is this is a good, it's a good thing. It'll be a sad thing, but it's it, it'll be a good thing. We had a bit of a sh- shocker last week. It has to be said, the old mucker Mick Liner who was on last week, who's probably listening at this moment in time, and we'll talk about where he's listening <laughs> in a minute. But we were sitting down there before the podcast started, just talking about that. He said, "Oh, I love the podcast. It was great. I listen to the podcast every week on my iPad." In the bath. <laughs> There's all sorts of eyebrows raised and everything, like right? you know what I'm saying. But to him it seemed perfectly natural. Apparently he listens to us every Thursday evening, he gets home, slips on the old the old robe, slinks into the bath bit of bubble bath in. The old loofah comes out. Loofah bliss it. Fires up the old podcast. <laughs> now it did have me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is not very professional. <laughs> it did have me thinking. Who else <laughs> listens to us? Yeah, you can get the bubble bath out. Old Nick is squeezing himself, in, squeezing himself into the old bath. And he's got the old loofah out. <laughs> but I just thought, look, people listen. People obviously listen to podcasts. You know, I'm on the way to work. I listen to all sorts of stuff. And we just thought, look, where else do you... you sit down there. Where, where are you listening to us at the moment now? And we thought, I mean, Lainey, where, where do you normally listen? Have you listened back to the podcast? Where do you normally listen to 
I listen to it normally over a coffee after the, 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 the morning after the night before, to be honest with you. I kind of get up, have a bit of toast, um, I might have a bit of porridge. So in the kitchen? Yeah, no, well, I wander, I wander. I put my headphones on and the iPod and um, I, I wander and listen to it and go, I wish I hadn't said that. Uh, Gemma? I tend to listen to it in the abandoned Terminal 1 of Heathrow Airport because I'm, you know, cool like that. Interesting. <laughs> the Allards? Listen to it. Why would I listen to it? I, I was on it. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. But you know, sometimes you're not there when you're in Arizona and stuff like that. Where, where do you listen to it normally? Um, I've been known to listen to it in all sorts of public transport or whatever transports, and um, yeah, you know, jogging. I've listened to it jogging. It kind of doesn't work as well as some as some decent music. Um, but I have tried that. Um, uh, the spa now is, 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 has just come up as maybe as maybe, maybe an idea next time. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, with, you, you need some of those waterproofy sort of headphones. I think I haven't really thought out quite how. I'm not sure everyone else would want to listen to it. But Sabby B. Uh, well, as, as a freelancer, I'm, I'm sort of at home and at work and in all sorts of places. But what I've tried to do is try to work on Thursdays now out of the office. Uh, which is at, which is at home. So uh, I spend the first 15 minutes of the podcast walking to the station. Then the next 15 minutes on the uh, on the train going to Hammersmith. Then the next 15 minutes on the train to uh, Westbourne Park. Then I have to stop it. And on the way back from work, I do the the opposite. So by by the time I get back home, I've listened to the whole lot. So it takes you a whole day to listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we, we need to do a podcast at last because that sounds like it was 45 minutes and 45 minutes, so we need to do one that lasts more than an hour and a half, then I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just uh, an, an hour and a half would be perfect, but what I tend to do is at the last 15 minutes on the way, because it's normally about an hour and a quarter, so the last 15 minutes I just catch up on my. My emails and stuff. Okay, I'll say that. But for myself, I mean, I normally listen to it at the kitchen, put a bit of music up, listen to it at the kitchen, and I'm, you know, just tidying up in the morning. But I have to admit, Mick must have influenced me last week because I did try it and I. <laughs> Oh, I did bring it up the bar for me on Thursday as well. And it was quite relaxing, actually. I have to admit. I might have to try that. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not tried the bath. I might. I guess you had to like keep filling the, the hot water because because it was you know an hour in the bar. That it was. It was. Yeah. That, that, that was true. That that had to be done. But look, we thought you know, we were going to try and get people to just tell us where you were listening to it. So what we were thinking is what hashtag pride of. So hashtag pride of and then space and then just tell us where you listen to it, it might be so, yeah, so, so it'll be so if you're Mick it'll be hashtag pride of space in the bath <laughs> or it might be pride of space the northern line or pride of my mum's front room Indeed. Your mum. Indeed. It's all going a bit left it's going a bit left field today. You, you can tell we're all happy we won't be. Last week we talked about the scouting options. Or oh, Mick Liner pre bathing. Very clean. It's very clean. He's clean. He's clean. If, if nothing else, he's clean. <laughs> totally clean. <laughs> He mentioned the fact that we didn't have a chief scout, and we thought, you know, that's a very good point, mate. Interestingly, 24 hours later, bing, we noticed an ad popped up in the old football network. Brentford were advertising for a chief scout. We thought this is a prime opportunity, as we said in last week's podcast, to do a little more delving into our scouting network, because to be quite honest with you, like most things we would do, we were making it up last week, and... Uh, 
before, let's not make it up. Let's just actually find out exactly what the scenario is of our chief scout. And we know Andy Scott's involved in somehow. Exactly how is he involved? What about this scouting? Who's the chief scout? Who's our scouts? So uh, we threw the information out there, and we've actually got information come back. It's lots of information. We are Siri. We are Siri. Yes, we are Siri indeed. Um, lots and lots of information. In fact, too much information to be covered tonight because we were talking about all sorts of stuff like barfing lotion and stuff like that tonight. So we thought we were going to leave this and discuss it in more length on the next week's podcast or other podcasts. But like I said, we've got a little bit more information on the Brentford Scouting Network. And also, like I said, they, you know, they, they, they're looking for a new chief scout, looking for a new northern scout as well, which I think is quite interesting. There's a few changes that are out there, but let's just talk about that. At the moment, we're on and up because Brentford have won two matches in a row. So let's, let's just see. You, um, have you applied for either position, Bill? Oh, that's the, I'll be telling you, actually, wouldn't it? Which, the northern one or the, the, the head one? Personally, I, I, I can't answer that question. I mean, Seth? No, I can't either. <laughs> Listen, if, if anyone's out there, actually, we've got, still got another week to go because I think this, this, the cut-off date is around about the 15th of April. Um, jumpinsport.com, and there's an advert there for the Brentford uh, Chief Scout. And anyone can apply for it, apparently. I mean, none. Even, even I, think, Andy Scott. I think Mick will apply for it. But we'll do that. But anyway, we're going to go and talk about this, the scouting system next week or the week afterwards. We'll come back to that. Crowds. Crowds crowds something that football fans always like to talk about every time you travel away you go into a stadium you have a look around you go what do you think the crowd is is that all you take away how many fans do you think we bought today so it's a big it's a big part of the whole football culture is like how many fans does your team take away you know i mean one of the questions that asked is how many how many fans did bolton bring down there you know last night you know you said oh it wasn't too bad you know and it's like part of that whole kind of football psyche that whole kind of what the football fan is all about it's all about the crowds and everyone sort of talks about that and it's been interesting because obviously Brentford moving into the championship yeah it's a new league for us so last season was quite we were quite lively on the roads uh, and away days are special you know a, a goal away a win away the, the, I don't think there's anything better in football than winning away from home there isn't indeed. So there was a table that was published. I mean, obviously, it's not an end-of-season table, but it was published about a week and a bit ago, which basically showed um, Brentford and all the other teams their average away attendance, their average home attendance, and also what was interesting, that's the most interesting thing, is that the percentage of home fans, so they looked at your home crowd, the percentage of your home fans that you take away. So basically, it looks at what your average home crowd is and says, well, how many of those people actually are travelling away? Is that a stat? Well, it is a stat. I mean, what, what people want to talk about, it doesn't really matter. I mean, for us, it, it looks very favourable because the top of the whole of this football league is Brentford. Basically, what's happened is that our average away crowd, this is before Forest, was 1,174. Our average home crowd was 9,020. But the percentage of home fans that travel away was 13.02%. Top of the league, higher than Leeds United, Preston, Wednesday, Birmingham, Burnley, Rotherham, all these other teams. Um, I, I, was, I was quite surprised and quite, quite impressed with that. I mean, it just goes to show you that we've actually kind of got ourselves into a little bit of a kind of, this is what we do. We, we watch our team, we travel home and away. doesn't matter how good they do. We haven't had a great league. We haven't had a great season this season. But people still seem to be travelling relative to the fact that, we, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not lying. We're, we're a relatively small team. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there are, there are reasons and there's factors for why we are top of this league. The fact is we haven't got a huge the home attendance is, is one of those. But, you know, 
let's not let's not detract anything from this. You know, the, the fact is that we have got a really, really vibrant and growing away support. Even even on a, on a, on the end of a run of stinky results, we went to Nottingham Forest and we had a really good knees up. There was a great atmosphere in there. Then you know we took more last year, but. You know, it was still eight or nine hundred people there, and it's been it's been pretty much like that week in week out away from home. I've missed one game so far this season. I didn't go to Sheffield Wednesday. Apart from that, I'm a hundred percent, so I'm ninety nine percent this year. Um, and you know, I have to say the the away games have been pretty exceptional. Uh, it's, it's only been one or two that I thought have been flat. And, and credit to Brentford fans, you know, you've got behind your team this year, and you know, there's no reason to suggest you won't continue to do that next year. I mean, interestingly, third in the table actually. I mean, Leeds United are second. I mean, Leeds United have good great support. You know, third in the table though. Interesting is Preston. Average home support ten thousand nine hundred fourteen. Average away support one thousand two hundred seventy, which is slightly above ours. But you know, we're going to be talking about this percentage of their home they've got a slightly higher home average but the the, the, the people that they're taking away are great but, but the interesting thing about that is i remember two three four seasons ago we used to see preston as being really big travelers like you know they used to take loads of people everywhere so all of a sudden it's like it's quite strange it's like we're we're moving into this mentality where a lot of fans just realize listen jump on the train jump on the bus jump on or whatever it needs to be to go and see our team play matt yeah, it's. Um, I think. I think. I'm sure. Looking at it uh, before the Forest game, where we were in the table, that in you know corresponding to where we are in the table. So not only are we top, but we're also corresponding to where we are in the table. So against performance, we're we're also clearly top. Um, there's quite a correlation between teams towards the bottom. So if you look at the bottom of it, we got you know your Charlton's, the MK Dons, Fulham, um, all in the are all in the bottom four. Cardiff are as well, which is an interesting one. That's a weird one. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, Cardiff, you've got basically Cardiff got an average of 759 away fans, and at home they've got 13,812 um, average fans at home. And basically, it's only 5% of their home crowd actually travel away. This has got a lot to do with the blue and the red and all that stuff that happened with them. And apparently, a lot of the fans are just still not feeling the vibe. So, I've got to say, though, you know, you know, looking at this table, the nuts and bolts of it is that means there are a lot of Brentford fans paying a lot of money to follow their team and I, and I don't think we, we, we know that, that can't really escape us that you know we're going to Ipswich on Saturday and the price of a ticket is 36 quid 30, well, 32.50 um, that's, that's a huge amount of money so there's, there's going to be oh, there's going to be an average of like 11, you know 1174 people paying 32 quid we, we're, we're paying a a lot of money in tickets we're paying a lot of money in train travel we're paying a lot of money in petrol there's a lot of loyalty going on there so pat yourselves on the back bees carry on next year you know but it's, it's, it's an incredible industry that, that football fans provide week in week out speaking of money i mean going about a month ago you know we went to you know the twin devils of sheffield wednesday and brighton away spent basically £10 a goal for what we saw and we didn't score any of them I mean you know this is this is the beautiful thing and yet and yet we keep going and even in other seasons and other divisions I think we've always had a away fan you know culture that is probably a little bit different than what you would expect if you saw us at home and that's been a wonderful thing and I think that's carried us through a lot of seasons where things haven't gone well you know but yes, it is 
hard on the pocket. See, I see that as part of the Brentford mentality as well, though. I think I think it's part of the Brentford psyche, the Brentford DNA. We we are a little bit left to feel. We're a bit quirky. We have we normally go away and have a laugh. And I think you know, win or lose, we're on the booze. Win or lose, we have a laugh. Win or lose, there is a spirit about Brentford that I, I don't necessarily think is everywhere else. I mean, one of the things I thought when I first saw that that league uh, <clears throat> that league table was, uh, oh, maybe we've got loads of teams that are near us. You know, we've got QPR, we've got Fulham, we've had loads to Fulham, we've got Charlton. And then I thought, but so does every other team. They've all got their, their the teams they really want to go to see. I mean, like Rotherham's going to really want to go to Wednesday. They really want to go to Leeds, aren't they? I mean, Preston bought seven thousand to Blackburn a couple of days ago. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not it's not the fact that we're in London and we've got these really good local derbies. It's just the fact that we do. Well, we've we've grown our away support. I mean, we they're fantastic days out. I mean, I I love my away days. I don't do as many as I. I would like to, should do, okay, (laughs) or would like to, but you know, I do about. Billy do more than Billy. Yeah, Uh, well, I mean, Billy don't go away anymore, but I, I know, I I try to do at least a third, a third of them, and I I absolutely love them. And you know, like Saturday was absolutely brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I do, I do, I do eight away games every year. Oh, that's, that, that's very precise, yeah, I, yeah. I, I aim for eight every single year. Yeah. <laughs> but, look, but look, anyway, listen, this is a very interesting... I might, I mean, I might have to consult my notes. I don't think that's factually correct either. <laughs> <laughs> but, look, but look, listen, we come back, it's, very, it's, it's an interesting survey because we like figures and facts and figures and we looked at how many people played away. I mean, QBR, 1,300 fans, yeah, a few more than us, but, you know, they get 1,500, an average crowd again at QPR. You know, Bristol City, I must admit, I was very impressed that they bought about four and a half thousand down to Fulham the other day and they seem to be travelling in numbers even though they're not doing very well but look we're going to post this up somewhere probably on the back end of this podcast or on the website and stuff like that Matt yeah. another point though is that you know London is the great you know metropolis and there's a lot of supporters of all these clubs that live in London there aren't a million Brentford supporters Dotted around, no, dotted around the country. There are a million Brentford. <laughs> 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 but there are, you know, there are many. There are, you know, the Brentford supporters are all travelling. I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion to you that, that a good number of those Bristol supporters are well, are London-based. Again, a lot. You know, so even, even more. How, how impressive it is where we are. But at the same time, you could also argue, are London-based fans the only ones who can afford to travel away to away games? If every game is 35 quid a throw, and that's increasingly the case, and I would argue that it definitely shouldn't be the case, how many fans from other parts of the country are actually even able to fund tickets to other games? I mean, all right... Wednesday are high up there, Leeds are high up there, but then that's a 35 quid game that they don't have to go to straight away. You know, how, how hard is it for people? To it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not any easier for us than anyone else. And from the away fans that I speak to, I speak to the away fans all the time. And it's almost like, you know, we've been in this league now for two seasons. It's going to be a third season next season as well. And... Um, it's almost like we're still getting used to this. I mean, I'm very annoyed that Ipswich is charging the money that they're charging next week. They're absolutely taking the pee, especially when we speak to Harry in a bit, who's telling us exactly how Ipswich are playing. Got, no, no. And they, they've got no right to charge whatever they're charging now. But the fact is that, you know, but a lot of these teams, they basically say it is what it is. I'm not no, saying it's, I'm not no, saying no, it's no, right. No. What I'm saying is that these fans, unfortunately, what they do is they just say... Unfortunately, we get charged 35 quid at Brentford to, to get to sit on the top of a stand, yeah. right? 35, that's just what it is. There's only, there's only one answer to this problem, and that's to bring back hitchhiking. And I've, there's, there's more hitchhiking that needs to be done 
in, in football. So, Hester, so, for, so next year, Besotted is campaigning for more hitchhiking in football. It's going to be an FSF campaign, and w- there'll be hundreds of us at Heston Services. It's not going to lower the ticket prices, is it? No, but we won't pay any, anything on train tra- travel. So it'll be just maybe three quid in petrol. Can I just pick up on Gemma's point about London fans can afford these higher prices? Can uh, they? Is a question. Well, uh, I, I believe they probably can't because they're paying so much in their rent. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, look, this has deviated yet again. We're going to knock it off now, but like I said to you, we're going to post this up somewhere, but I think interesting. Let's look at the back end of it as well. Charlton at the bottom with 676. Cardiff City next bottom with 759. MK Dons after that. Franchise franchise FC. 582. And then Fulham, the next highest at the bottom of 905. So it's interesting, like I said, these two. Brighton, actually as a percentage of their home support, um, fifth from bottom, which they, is interesting. They get big home support, though. They yeah, get, they, I mean... They, they look at their home support, yeah, it's, it's actually really quite high. They, they get 23,000. It's comfy in another ground, is it, once you've sat at Brighton? No, no, no. So it's interesting, 23,000 at home, but they get an average of 15, 1,500 travelling away. Well, you know, but anyway, look, we'll, we'll come back to this now. We're going to start... It's interesting, interesting watching, viewing, <laughs> looking... It is interesting viewing if you like reading, reading figures. Yeah, but look, we're going to come back to this deviating away because we're going to be talking to Ipswich about Ipswich. We're going to be talking to Harry. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff about our trip to Ipswich. Ipswich at the weekend. You going to Swansea? (laughs) No. (laughs) Big game on Saturday. Very big game. They're all big games now. Now that we've got our six points under our belt, we can relax. Ipswich Town, quaking in their boots. Did I do any research? Not really. I don't need to do any research because I've got the man with all the facts and figures. He knows everything about Ipswich. He knows everything about everything. He is the man. Do I go to Suffolk or Norfolk or wherever they are? Nah, no interest. I'm going to go the other side. I'm going to go west, 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 west to Bath to go and speak to infamous Harry from Bath and find out what's going down. Mix in the Bath. Bath's Bath. no, no. Apparently he is, but we won't talk about Mick in the bath now. We're going to talk to Harry from Bath about Ipswich Town. So Saturday, we're off to, well, sort of Suffolk, over that side, to Ipswich. A team, we call them the nearly team, just like us last season. They nearly got to Wembley, but didn't quite get there. So this is their season back in where they thought, let's try and see if we could do a little bit better, like us doesn't seem to have quite achieved it. So I've got my man on the line, Harry from Bath, who's going to let us know exactly what is going down in Ipswich, even though he's on the other side of town, in Bath. Harry, how are you doing? Good to talk to you, Billy. Thanks for having me on. That's all good. I've got to clarify something. Are you Harry from Bath or are you Harry in the Bath? <laughs> there's, a, there's, a long, there's a shaggy dog story involving Millwall fans who got hold of one of my blogs that I do. What I do is, as you know, I go on message boards, pick up, get, get the lowdown on how things are going and the mood in the opposition camp, and I bring it back over to the Ipswich TWTD site. And uh, one of the Millwall fans very early on, a couple of years ago when they were still in the championship, did ask the same question. 
That's to say I'm Harry from Bath, not Harry in the Bath, and particularly okay. at this moment in time. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's quite good to know, because, I mean, this, you know, if you were Harry in the Bath, this would just be too weird, because this podcast is going a little bit all over the place at the moment now. And if you were in the Bath as well now, then, then I think there'd be a lot of people shaking their heads, and there'd be eyebrows raised and all sorts. But Harry, the Ipswich, mate, last season, we were both there or thereabouts, almost, on the way to Wembley, we thought, but it didn't quite happen. You've come back today, you've bought a few new players, you know, you've got your Jonathan Douglases and all these other people that you put into your side. You had a pretty decent start, and then you seem to have disappeared off the face of the earth. Harry, what's going on with you boys? Yeah, it's been an interesting season, all right. I mean, I mean, sitting here now, we're eighth in the table, and the truth is, after the draw we had against Charlton, we need snookers now to make the playoffs. Um, it's, it looks like that, that's gone over the hill for us, so... And we, we need some serious favours to, to get us over the line. Um, what would I put it down to? Uh, I'd say we've it's it's it, injuries have played a part, and particularly in the attacking areas of the field, we've lost for chunks of the season. We've lost McGoldrick, um, Teddy Bishop, Daryl Murphy, um, Fraser, the Ryan Fraser, the uh, the very peppery uh, Bournemouth winger we had on loan, and. In recent weeks, we've brought in uh, Ben Pringle and Liam Feeney, um, Pringle who played for Rotherham, and he was on loan with your nearest and dearest neighbours up the road at Fulham, or he was played for them. We got him on loan from Fulham. And um, But whereas with the defence, you can bed in and a panel beat a defence together in within this timescale of a small number of weeks, doing it with the strike force takes a lot longer. And the pattern in recent games and really probably for the last couple of months going back to I saw us playing Bristol in mid-February, um, was, is one where they're not quite connecting, they're not quite synchronised. So therefore we have become a, an error-prone side because if we do make defensive errors, we're an error-prone side who struggle to score. So, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, this is the difficulty: is that if you ain't scoring, you're going to struggle. I mean, and interesting because you said to me, look, we need to pull some favours to get back into the playoff zone. I mean, I'm going to ask you realistically: do you really think, looking at last season, that you would make the playoffs? You could make the playoffs. Look at the other sides out there. I mean, what, what do you really think? Looking at the situation now, no, it's. We, I reckon that's it for us now for the season. I think. It would, but it, the only the only argument you have in your favour is it's the championship, and as we know, anything can happen in this league. It really can. But looking at the style of our play in recent games, I mean, just to give you an, an idea, Billy, Bart Bielkowski, who's a brilliant goalkeeper, but in, he has been the supporters' highest-rated player on the TWTD website for 10 of the last 11 games. That's our goalie. So that's fantastic to have a goalie who's playing that well, but for him to be rated as number one player so frequently to suggest that there's there's something going wrong elsewhere on the pitch. So tell me something about the Ipswich now because you know you guys are probably um, like we are looking forward to next season planning to next season um, how are things going to change because obviously you haven't done as well as last season you've lost a few players and uh, I mean is this Mick McCarthy style which for us isn't the prettiest of football are you going to be sticking with that, do you think? Or do you think you might have to sort of kind of try another thing to, to move yourselves on? Well, well, I, I hope Mick stays with us. I know there's a little bit of gossip about Aston Villa and we think he's an outside bet. He's not the favourite for that position at the moment. But for a lot of fans, I mean, I lifted a couple of comments off post-Charlton just to give you a flavour. I mean, one, one, this gives you a sense of what the mood is like. 
It, the, the comment was a dull pedestrian and insipid fare from a clueless and inept dinosaur. Just do one, McCarthy, and take your 19th century hoofball with you, you complete waste of space. Um, the mood is very negative at the moment. People will handle or will live with pragmatic football when the results are coming. So if we're picking up ones, you know, one nils, two nils, two ones, but we're getting there and we're kind of, you know, we're in the, we're in the playoffs. If it's successful, people will live with it. Um, I still have to remind people that we are eighth in the table. You know, we, we're, you know, let's look at Paul Jewell. Let's look at Roy Keane, which was a very a much darker time. But I think people are finding. I mean, one of the other quotes somebody said was, um, he said, "We're drowning in the sea of McCarthy mediocrity." Um, you know, they're, they're players loathing what he does to the club in terms of footballing style. They they really really struggle with it. I mean, I was at the recent game away to, up at Molyneux when we played Wolves, and even away at the Cardiff game, I was at that, and we could still have been playing and not scored, Billy. We we really are quite toothless at the moment. My argument would be that it's just a group of players who are still building familiarity in attack, and they're trying different combinations and ideas, and it will click, and it could click before the end of the season. But of course, all Brentford have to do on Saturday is to come along, keep it tight, Keep it well organised. I mean, you've now got Nico Yenaras um, in midfield, in midfield, anchoring it with McCormick. Just keep it tight and simple, and wait for a mistake because there's every chance you will get one. And then that's what Rotherham did a couple of weeks ago. They came down, kept it simple, waited for an error, which happened to originate from poor old uh, Jonathan Douglas, and um, and uh, we were one nil down. And then you know, we're, you know, the, the pattern of the game has then gone against us. I mean, I mean, you're talking about your players as well. I mean, Dougie, obviously, he left Brentford. Under, you know, some some fans were disappointed that he left. There's other sort of rumours that were going around at the time. Like I said, we won't go into it. But he went on to Ipswich and he's done his thing. He's moved on to another world. He played for you. Um, beginning of the season, he, he, he gave Jocker a bit of a kick at the beginning of the season, which put him out for a few months, which he wasn't particularly happy about. And Jocker's now gone off to Spain to carry on his career over there for the next... 12, 18 months or whatever time that may be. But, I mean, how, how, how has Dougie been for you for the season? Um, well, here's a quote from the Charlton game, just to give you an idea. And I, it, it, it leaves me bemused because I know the role that he did play successfully at Brentford for a number of seasons. Um, one of the comments about him was, um, at times he looked like he was in a daydream. He had no idea what was going on. He was slow, error-prone and often anonymous. Um, the only thing he wanted to do was drop between the centre-backs, pick up the ball from one and play it square to another defender. It's, we're not sure if it's Douglas, the role that he's being asked to play from Mick, because Mick plays with a three-man midfield, but we already have Cole Skews in there, who's a very decent holding midfielder. He, he's not like Toombs, he's not like Zegaraga, he's, he's not an athletic defender, but he's more geometric, very clever passing, reading the danger well, he's very incisive. So in theory, Douglas in there in a three-man midfield with him should be the box-to-box player because I think that, that my understanding was that was his role in Brentford. But he has really been doubling up as another holding midfielder and that's me being charitable about it. He doesn't seem to have a very clearly defined role. Now, whether that's to do with him or whether that's to do with the brief that he's been given, it's, I don't think it's a lack of effort because he does put everything into the game. The other issue is, I think he is error-prone. There was, um, I know he was blamed, or I think it was pointed at him for a, a wayward free kick and a missed tackle, which, um, at, which led to Rotherham's goal a couple of weeks back. And in, back in January away at Brentford, it was, again, there was a very weary challenge he made just before the break, which saw him red-carded. So I think, certainly within the fan base, 
he is probably the player most under the spotlight at the moment, and he's he's getting a fair bit of criticism. In the last five games he's played, he has been the lowest-rated outfield player, culminating with a 2.9 out of 10 against Charlton, just to give you an idea. I mean, the thing I'd say about Dougie, one thing is that he, he for this last season that he had for us, the season before he did come to you, he had a brilliant season from August to December. When yeah. he played you, I think it was on Boxing Day, was it? Was that time? I remember that we were eleven for the That's yeah. right, Boxing Day, and then from January to April, May. Yeah, he was. He probably went a little bit missing in action. Is probably the fairest way to put it. So uh, yeah. you, you, know, you have to remember that Dougie, he's, he's not twenty-two. No. You know, he's, he's you know so to play a season, a long season like that, it's, it's potentially it's hard work. I mean, this is yeah. again, this is me pontificating and looking at maybe a parallel that we may have seen at Brentford. With, yeah. with you guys, but anyway, but moving on from the Douglas situation, we have a big game on Saturday. Okay, you have got a feeling. I mean, from what I can get, you say to me that you're struggling to score. So if you're struggling to score, then we've got a chance of actually picking up at least a point on Saturday. Um, what are your thoughts really on the game on Saturday, Harry? The best way I can describe Ipswich at the moment is that we're probably very similar to where you were immediately after your Blackburn game, just before the international break. And I hate to bring you back to a dark moment, but... Were you crying? No, I wasn't crying, but um, let's just say the the, the odd saloon bar brawl has been breaking out on the message boards. It's it's pretty glum. Where is the next goal coming from? Two goals in the last five games, and they were against a very jaded Blackburn team who had it was a postponed cup, Tuesday night's postponed cup match, and they kind of almost half wrote the game off. Um, so that's where we are at the moment. I have a funny feeling. I don't know whether we're going to score three in a row, or three goals, two games in a row, but I think that's our. Um, at some point, the, the, the monsoon will break. I've no doubts about that. As the play, you know, we had McGoldrick back on against Wolves. He played again midweek. We had Bishop coming back. So the, the players are coming back and they're just they are starting to connect. And I have a feeling we could bloody a few noses before the end of the season. But I think you might have caught us at the right time. Um, if you score ahead of us and then sit back and consolidate, we could have a very frustrating afternoon. And bear in mind that the crowd at the moment are not happy, so it could well be a question of not just silencing the crowd, but if you stop us playing any creative game, that could work in your favour big time as well. I'm um, not surprised we're yeah. happy, £32.50 or £36 or whatever no. it is that you're charging us to come in, but we won't go into no, that too much because we keep on going about that. That is embarrassing on, on Ipswich's front, um, yeah. especially with the, the football that's supposed to be playing. We're going up there in peace to to, yeah. to enjoy ourselves and have a good time, Harry. So I'll just stick the knife in a little bit and then pull it back again. But listen... That's a fair comment. <laughs> listen, guys, listen. Like, like, I mean, for Brentford, as you know, we've, we've, we've had a, a complete nightmare this season. Dee Smith, you know, bless, bless him. He's cool, he's wicked, but he hasn't had a great start to his career. But then, fair enough... After the international break, you turned it around with two, three-goal wins. We scored six goals in two games. You know, mm-hmm. we just went to Forest and we just went out there and just did our thing. Bang, 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 scored the goals that had gone in. And then Bolton came down, who, you know, as you know, they're not the best team in the world at the moment now. They haven't got very much to fight for. So uh, we, we took them apart. But the, the thing I'll say about that is it's interesting. You played Charlton on Saturday. You drew the law with them, which you did a lot better than we did, where they came and actually beat us, is that when you come against these teams, 
you actually have to beat them. We played Rotherham, they beat us. We played Charlton, they beat us. We played some not very great teams, but they beat us. And the thing about it is that you still need to deliver the results. And we weren't delivering the results. So for us, to deliver the results in the last two weeks has actually been quite good for us. It could be a little interesting contest on Saturday because like, we're still very much work in motion. We've got different people playing in different places and we're trying different things out. We had a lone striker came in and he got injured on Saturday. So Lasse Vibe came in, scored, you know, he scored quite a few goals in the last couple of games. So it's all up in its head again. So Mick McCarthy will be with his tactics people trying to work out exactly what we're going to do on Saturday. And uh, he's probably got no idea. We've got no idea. We'll just have to see what happens on the pitch. I think you seem to have clicked. I, I think your manager, um, with moving Yenaris into midfield and bringing Isa Cullen in at right back, you seem to have found a blend that seems to be working quite well. And with Judgy in the middle as well, by all accounts, he's playing off the striker, which gives him a kind of slightly free role. Um, so you do have goals in you. No, well, we've seen that in the last two games. You, see, you seem to score all your goals in one half, which is quite interesting as well. But for any Ipswich fans listening, I would say that Brentford seem to have found a model. They seem to have found a blend that is working and they will be coming with a definite threat. Um, and it's, um, so it, we, it, nothing is a given. I would rather have played you about four weeks ago, I think, when you were still working, when you were still a work in progress. But Viva, having scored a couple of goals, Yanaris has, has found his shooting boots as well, and that's goals from midfield. Um, so it means you are providing a variety of threats. And, of course, Judge is one of those players who knows how to find space. So, um, no, I'm... I'm my... my Heart would love to you, say a win. You sound, can, ner- you sound nervous, Harry. I am nervous. No, I am. Given, given you, you haven't seen how we've been playing, Bibbly. We haven't seen how we've been playing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one-all draw. I would like us to see. I would take a draw if it meant we scored a good few goals. Put it that way. So you're going for one-all. Is that correct, Harry? Yeah, one-all. One-all would be realistic, I think. Two-all would I'd be actually quite happy with, to be honest, just to see us getting a few goals and see us just getting back in the mix and just bloodying a few defenders' noses wouldn't be a bad thing. So one all from Harry's point of view and one nil, from my point of view, to the mighty bees. Actually going to go to Portman Road and pluck the points from you guys is what I believe. But then, hey, it doesn't really matter for us anymore. As long as we stay in this division, I don't really care. But Harry, listen, great to chat to you. Thanks for the lowdown. Interesting. It's going to be on Saturday. Uh, hopefully the weather stays up and we can go up there and, you know, have a nice time. There'll be a you know, fair few hundred Brentford fans up there just for a, for a day out. And uh, hopefully I'll bump into you in the whatever boozer we're going to be in, probably the Greyhound or something like that, and uh, we'll have a, a couple of beers. The Greyhound, a good chat, all right. Look forward to it, Billy, I really do. So, Harry, from Bath, with the knowledge, the absolute and total knowledge of everything that moves on every football team in the whole world. He's given us the lowdown in Ipswich. He doesn't seem to be particularly happy. This is probably quite good news for us, going to that part of the world and paying £475 to go and walk into their very old rickety stadium on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I, I like the fact that he doesn't think they're going to win because, you know... The home fans know the most. You know, if when we say we're going to lose and when we're going to think we lose, we normally do. Um, and, and if he's saying that, which I just think he did say that, um, I'm, I'm going to Ipswich and paying my £474. And I go there thinking that's money well spent. I mean, Ipswich, they must have come off the back of last season thinking, we got to the playoffs, we fluffed it a little bit. Like Brentford, we didn't think we fluffed it, we did as well as we could do. They thought they could up it a gear. 
but it hasn't really gone to plan for them, hasn't it? No, it hasn't, and our health and safety manager at work is desperately unhappy about this. Um, and up until the last couple of weeks, I'd thought that he was going to be smugging it up over me for the next sort of little while, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic now for Saturday that we might be able to do OK and, and let me have a nice week. Maybe. I mean, the Ellard, look, you like to break these things down. And, and Sue was going, no, 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 Ipswich, you know that they like to, um, what's the word? Play, play quite direct, don't they? Yeah, I think their type of football is, is outdated and, um, and I'm not surprised that they've dropped a couple more places in the league than where they were last season. Um, I, you know, I kind of think they're probably stuck in a little bit of a Mick McCarthy rut. Um, you, you know, they're effective at what they do, and, but hopefully as football gets better, other teams work, work it out and play against them. I, I will cautionary note, though, um, I do think that this is... This might be the game where we will get a little bit unpicked because I still think physically we're not. Well, there's no way we're going to be able to stand up to it. Switch. We've only got one way we can. You know, we're going to have to go out there and from the from the off try and play football. So um, I, I'm a li- I'm, I'm not as confident maybe as as some of the other people around the table. Um, I think this could be similar to the Blackburn game. We're not saying confidence as such, but just it's nice to go into the, the situation. And it's interesting as well, you know, the way that he talked about um, Jonathan Douglas, who obviously is our old player, and they were mm, question mark around him initially, and then they were very excited about him, and then they don't seem to be as excited about the way he's been playing recently as they have of the past few weeks, have they, Seth? Well, it's quite clearly that it's the second half of the season, isn't it? And that's what, that's what Douglas does, is that, you know, he's starts off pretty well and then uh, fades away certainly did that with us last season so that that's to be expected but I think yeah it's, it is it is pretty clear that um, Ipswich are a couple of places lower than they, they wanted to be or were last season um, I think they're going to need the points a hell of a lot more than us this is actually quite a good team to play at a good time because they're going to be desperate for those points they're going to be desperate to try and get into the playoffs and we are a lot more relaxed and if we can put our A game out which we have done, you know, over the past couple of games in in quite long patches. I think we we could actually do something decent. I think a draw would be uh, perfectly fine. I mean, it's, it's a game that I'm going to. I have to point out. Another one, 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 one of my eights. Yeah, yeah. one over the eight. In fact, uh, that's right. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's like you know, but people sort of say that the fruit that you have to eat. But this is sad. He just knocks, knocks off in his fridge, doesn't he? Like you know, he's on seven now. You know, he's only got one more to go. But, yeah. I, think, I think I think he's counting double to be honest with you. But um, I'm, I'm slightly concerned actually on Saturday that you know Ipswich is one of those grounds I've not seen us do particularly well at. I probably this is my f- maybe fifth or sixth visit. I've not seen us win there. Um, Ips, 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 which... We beat them in the cup all those years ago, no? Mm, I can't remember. I can't it. remember. No, I don't think so. You're watching, you're watching third division. Were you saying to them? Was I remember, it? I'm, either, uh, maybe Bob Taylor. I, I remember. I remember us doing okay there and being plucky. <laughs> it's when we were perennial plucky losers. Um, we go there now, not fearing too much, but. They've got a lot of stakes still. That they can still make the playoffs. There's thing, there's things that they're that they're fighting for. We, we, you know, we we go there just expecting, you know, hopefully to get some positives. That they that they are fighting for a Premiership place still, and um, there's, there's there's incentive. So, you know, we, we need to be we need to be on our on, on our money on Saturday. I mean. Talk about, I mean, bid on our money. It's interesting. You say they're fighting for a playoff place, though. I mean, Ipswich. They 
I was looking at that. I was just looking at that because now that you're relaxed and we know that we're not going down, you start looking up and see what else is going on. And it is quite amazing what is happening at the top of that league because as we talk about, you know, you've got the teams, you've got your Burnleys, you've got your, you know, Derby are back in there. But I was looking at it, I was thinking, who are the fifth and possibly sixth team? And I cannot actually, I'll be honest with you, I mean, Wednesday are in there, just about as well, but I cannot think... Other than the teams, again, that we talked about, we should talk about your boroughs, you know, Hull have dropped out away, you know, you, you, you talk about your Burnley stuff, but I can't think it, it, who it, really deserves to have a fifth and sixth it does and make seventh you, place. It does make you wish that you had last year's squad and momentum this year, because I, I think we probably, we'd probably would have gone up. We'd be laughing. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it, I, I said it at the time, it, it was a moment in time, it was a window that may never be repeated. It was, it was, it was a perfect storm last year. But, you know, it's not going back into that. But I, I think I agree with you completely that it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be obvious candidates for those last couple of playoff I places. mean, Wednesday are going up and down thinking this is brilliant. And I'm thinking, you know, you're, you're all right. But, you know, it'll not be funny. You know, be the last season, it's not even close. No, there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency in those kind of upper mid-table positions at all. So listen, going going around the table here, we're going to be playing Ipswich on Saturday. Listen, nice little day out. We're going to get down there early. We're going to go to the ground and have a bit of a laugh. So guys, what do we all say? Savvy? I say 1-1. Mr Allard? I'm going draw two because we haven't had a draw since the end of January. So we probably drew one. So I'll go um, two all. Gemma? 3-0, no danger. The lady. Uh, the draw that we probably thought would have come either Tuesday, well, not Tuesday, but probably would have come on Saturday. Maybe a draw or defeat. I'm not going B's win again. Oh, I've got to be confident again, and I just think, listen to what they're saying about the Ipswich, we're going to be having it. 1 0 to the B's, and. Uh, as they say, they can't, they're not going to see when they're going to get their next win because we'll be stealing it from them. But anyway, listen, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast coming from the Plough Pub in Northfield. Hashtag, hashtag pride space, pride of, pride of space Northfields or pride of. Spot. Where do you watch? Where do you listen to the podcast? This is this is going to be an absolute disaster, isn't it? Like you, you can already tell, mixing this bath, sweating at the moment now, thinking what have I started? Like, you know. But look, listen, it's Pride of West London podcast. We're coming from the Plough in Northfield. It's been absolutely fantastic. Like I said, it's a bit, bit posh, a bit lovely. If you want to come here with the old family, have a bit of food and stuff, or if you want to come in a little pub crawl on the way down from the station, on the way down, stop in here, have a couple of little drinks, and then the way down the Globe and then the Nelson and all the other places before you get to the ground. Or you- we besotted. Will next season officially be looking for blue plaques to be placed in all of the previous Brentford playing sites? So Brentford did train here. I said at the beginning you may be yawning or falling asleep by now, but we, this was a tra- was a changing room for Brentford, as was the Griffin. So um, there will be blue plaques next year. So sort of plates you're going to sort of plates, plates. Yeah. Is there a Brentford training pub crawl going on? When you started that, I thought you were going to say blue plaques and all the pubs that have had a besotted <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's more like, that's more like it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that. Yeah. We'll try to, listen, we can sort that out easily, properly. We can just bring our blue plates with us and stick it on the wall and run off your super glue. Like, you know, there's, uh, I think there's a plaque in the corner there, Jamiroquai and his people, they put it in the corner there as well. Males. That they used to, uh, when they were here, it was before as well, like I said, the old Jamiroquai crew, old original style 
But anyway, babbling on now. Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're playing Ipswich on Saturday. They're not very happy. We're very happy. We're going to go there. We're going to have a laugh. If we win or lose, we're on the booze. Doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, we are now. You can tell there's a spring in our step now. We like to spring. All of us are springing except for Mick, who's bounce, listening in his bath at the moment now. But anyway, as we say, Saturday, we're going to cheer on our team, as we say. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.